From the studios of One Jacks Productions, this is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, with your hosts, Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel, and Praise Leader Chris Wing. All right, friends, welcome back uh, to another episode of The Revealing. We are grateful once again, as I try to make a point to always say, uh, grateful that you are uh, listening with us. Um, if it wasn't for you, it would just be the three of us talking. And uh, that's cool, too. We, we were just doing that. Uh, but um, we were grateful to have uh, more people in on the conversation, so to speak, um, and, and not our conversation, but the conversation of the Word of God. Uh, last week, we were talking about, in our continued series the of the covenant, we were talking about the Mosaic Covenant. And and you know, leaving that conversation last week, I was I was thinking, uh, really, the bottom line of that, I think, was, oh, there were several probably, but but for me, one of the major takeaways was how uh, specific God is about His expectations, His requirements, uh, His worship, um, and, and how uh, there, there there aren't two ways about it. It's His way, and that's it. Um, and he's definitely worthy of that. And, and I was just thinking about how in the church today, um, it, really it's almost an anything goes mentality when it comes to the worship we offer up to the Lord. And if it feels right or feels spiritual or, or feels, you know, trendy, then then let's do it. Let's give it a shot. Let's try to, you know, meet people where they're at, meet people's felt needs and, and you know, kind of a consumer church mentality. And, and we think just because we're singing songs that have God and Jesus in them, then that's acceptable to the Lord. And we're preaching as long as it sounds good from the Bible somewhat, then that's acceptable to the Lord and, and all of that. But, but man, last week we were talking about how God gave uh, that mosaic law and, and he was very specific with his people and, and uh, just reminded me of that. So I hope you're, you're blessed by these conversations. Um, but uh, we are going to kick, kick this off with um, uh, this um, Davidic covenant this week is where we are. And um, I, I know we typically um, begin our episodes with maybe either a recap or a, a, a kind of leading into this Davidic covenant. So um, so first of all, um, hello to my friends once again, Chris. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? Good, good. How are you doing? Uh, better than I deserve. I think that is the case for all of us. Especially me and uh, Frank yourself. Doing good. Uh, the sciences from last week—they ain't any better. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> nope. Still work. Still work. Still, still working through them. Okay. It's an inside joke. <laughs> yeah, we often record multiple of these at a time, and so it was literally minutes ago. <laughs> he was complaining about those. So, anyways, um, okay. So uh, Davidic covenant. Um, Guys, do we do we want to um, kind of do a kind of a, a ramp up into it? Uh, do we want to go straight to the word? Uh, any kind of review in order? Uh, what what are our thoughts today? Yeah, so you know, I think probably the biggest thing we want to do here <clears throat> is transition uh, from what's going on in the Mosaic Covenant, the law, yeah. to the Davidic Covenant. Okay, and so we have to understand. Uh, we kind of closed last time talking about. Uh, how the, the the nation of Israel rejected the Father mm-hmm. by killing John the Baptist, yeah, rejected the Son yeah. by crucifying him on the cross, rejecting the Holy Ghost by blaspheming His name in Acts seven, <clears throat> which is the first three. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. Which is the first three um, um, commandments? Ca- commandments, commandments. Uh, mm-hmm. t- toward the Lord. Um, <clears throat> so, what happens is, you know, when when Israel came into their land. You know, God said back in, I think it was Deuteronomy 18, if I remember correctly, you know, I know that when you come into the land, you're going to ask for a king. 
I know you're going to do it. Right. You know, I, I'm supposed to be your king. Yeah. But I know when you come to the land, you're going to be like the other nations. They're going to ask for one. And so he lays out the uh, what's going to happen and, and, and how that uh, when the when they call for their king and how they're going to. You know, the, the, it's going to lead them astray, if you will, and mm-hmm. what's what's everything's going to happen with that. Um, <clears throat> so, um, obviously, when Israel went into their land, uh, they did call for a king. Uh, they picked their own king, Saul. We know how that turned out; not so good. Uh, then King God calls His king, and that's King David. Yeah. And so King David's a big deal here. Okay, so David um, is, if you will, God's king um, for the for His people. It's through David that we're going to see the birth of Christ. He, he that's going to follow the the line of Judah, uh, if you will. Um, we know back in uh, Genesis forty nine, uh, and through other verses that uh, the seed, uh, again the, the 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 promised seed, back in uh, even Genesis three fifteen, right, right, right. Uh, and then in Genesis tw- uh, uh, twelve in the Abrahamic covenant, the promised seed was going to come through the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. In that promised seed, of course, uh, we know uh, follows through the line of David, uh, follows through the line of Solomon, uh, leading all the way up to um, uh, Mary. Uh, Mary's uh, dad, Heli, if I remember is, is correct, um, uh, she, he is from the line of David. Mm. Uh, hence, uh, Christ is born, Jesus is born uh, from the line of David. Uh, Matthew uh, chapter 1 uh, and Luke 3 talk about this. Um, very, very important to understand that he had to come uh, from the line of Judah. He had to come from Israel. Mm-hmm. He had to come from the line of David. Uh, that's that's critical to understand. That's because it was prophesied. Right. He had to. Right. Uh, so uh, obviously God is never going to go against his word. Yeah. Uh, so um, when you get, enter into the ministry of Christ, uh, as we talked about last time, uh, you have to rem- you have to make sure you understand that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, you know, the, although these are gospels, and although Jesus is preaching a gospel of a kingdom, you better make sure you understand what kingdom he's mm-hmm. preaching mm-hmm. and what kingdom he's offering to Israel. He's not offering, um, um, you know, the the, uh, the spiritual kingdom of God that we're living in now. Uh, although he makes reference to that, because some of those books were written uh, in the uh, in a reference to the Gentiles. Um, Matthew is in is written to uh, to the Jew to prove that Jesus is the fulfillment of the King. Yeah. Okay. And uh, obviously, that term "kingdom of heaven" is only used in the Gospel of Matthew. Mm-hmm. And and understanding that there is a, a a critical difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God uh, is important. Although there are similarities, <clears throat> and there is okay, um, because. Uh, well, I'll just say, although there are similarities, um, there are also major differences. And those major differences is what we're talking about today. Okay. It's what this Davidic covenant is. And the question is, when does this Davidic covenant kick in? Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say, and I'm going to contend that this Davidic covenant right now has been put on hold and it won't kick in until Jesus returns. So not that it was, is on hold and will continue, but it hasn't yet. It hasn't even begun yet. Okay. Right. Okay. And are we going to talk now about why, why yeah, we we're say gonna that? Get, we're going to get into that. Okay. Okay. So, so, so understand, as the law comes to its end, 
And we know that that has come to its end because we're not under the law. Absolutely. Okay. So however you want to look at that, okay, um, and what I mean by that is whether you believe that the law ended at the cross or whether you believe the law officially folded at Act 7, it's it, it, really that's beside the point. It doesn't matter. What does matter is is what happened after that. That That is critical. Um, and so what we're going to say is what happened is we moved into something that hasn't been revealed to anybody until Paul comes on the scene. Okay. This is a new thing that has never been revealed yet that God is instituting. Okay. We don't find where we are now anywhere in the Old Testament scripture. And if we do, we only see it in pictures. Mm. That's it. Uh, but none of those Old Testament Jews would have had any clue what it was because they couldn't. It had been hidden since the foundation before the foundation yeah. of the earth. Yeah. No one could have known. And so we're living in a very special time. Yeah. We're not li living under a covenant right now. I think that's, that's important to note. There is no covenant we're living under right now. We're living under a promise, yeah. the dispensation of grace. Yeah. This was a promise God made that was going to come into play. And what was that? That Jews and Gentiles would be fellow heirs with Christ. Not that Gentiles would get covenants promised to the Jews. Yeah. We didn't get grafted into the covenants. Right. We got grafted into the promise. Mm -hmm. He's going to take a Jew and he's going to take a Gentile and he's going to make them one body in Christ, a new creature. None of this was mentioned in the Old Testament. None of this was laid. No covenants were talked about. The Davidic covenant has nothing to do with what's going on right now. The new covenant has nothing to do with what's going on right now. The Davidic covenant we find in 1 Samuel, the, the, the new covenant we find in, in Jeremiah, and we're going to talk about those, obviously. Uh, but what I want you to understand is before we move into the Davidic, Davidic covenant, do understand, and before we move, obviously, into the new covenant, do understand we are not living in these covenants. So let me ask you this on that note. Uh, could it be said that, and I'm not suggesting that it could be, I'm asking, could it be said that we essentially have entered a covenant relationship with the Lord individually through Christ and an unconditional type covenant as our, our savior and under the blood of Christ or because you made a distinction between covenant and promise, which I definitely agree. I'm just, you know, for our listeners and even for myself, uh, could we consider that or is that kind of just plain out not? I wouldn't call it a covenant. Okay. And the only reason why I say that is because Paul makes it very clear that he made the covenants with Israel. Okay. And that's so fair. Don't call it a covenant. That's call it a promise. Some thin ice. Call it a yeah. promise because that's what Paul calls it. Okay. It's 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 a uh, wait. It's, so stick with the Bible. Okay. Got it. <laughs> try, let's try to do that. Yeah, that would be a, a, a good idea. Good takeaway. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So okay. So what's going on here? Well, okay. God now has his king, mm -hmm. David. David. And he knows where this is headed. He knows that. After uh, Solomon, uh, and Solomon falls into some major apostasy, um, he knows that the kingdom is going to split. God, in his foreknowledge, knows where this is all going. Yeah. So he's making some, he's making some uh, uh, future covenants with Israel. And, and why can't God do that? 
he certainly has the ability to do that, and he's he, that's what he's doing. So I know we haven't addressed why this has the Davidic covenant hasn't kicked in yet, and when it, that it will. Uh, but if that's true, then that clearly means he's not finished with the Jew, and, and that dismantles everything that is covenant theology. I mean, in well, its entirety. <laughs> what, but, but, but what covenant theology is going to do is going to, to try to take the Davidic covenant and the new covenant and... Even the Abrahamic covenant. And, and even the Abrahamic the covenant. Take and apply it to it themselves. And say that we've replaced the Jew and now this yeah. stuff is off sure. of us. Sure, And that's, a, that, 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 yeah. that's not true. And we've addressed that yeah. in episodes past. If, if, if that's true, if that's true, then God lied. Yeah. And I just, I, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't go there. Mm-mm. If you want to go there, if, that, if you're comfortable with that, do what you got to do, but I, I'm not comfortable with that. Okay. God would have made that very clear. Yeah. And no he doubt, didn't. No doubt. There, there's no way you can see that. There's no way you, there's not a verse in the Bible you could come to to emphatically state that the church has replaced a Jew. What is clear is that he is is not finished, that blindness in part has happened. Exactly. Romans 11? Exactly. Because okay. w- when you do that, then what ultimately happens is also you reverse it backwards. And, and then when you're talking, we talk about the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God just a minute ago. You're now also taking that kingdom of heaven and making it for the church. And so every time you go in the Old Testament and you, re- you read everything that God's talking to the nation of Israel and his people about the kingdom in the Old Testament, and it, you just put the church in there too. And now it's just all the church. Mm-hmm. So that kingdom is you know for us. But, but Paul clearly says this is a new creature. Correct. I'm sorry, when something's new... You didn't take the old and replace it. It's something new. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it, it's new. <laughs> I don't know how else to say that. It, it, it had never been revealed before. By it's definition, new. It's, yeah. You know, it, nobody is taking over for the Jew. It's the Jew and the Gentile together. It's new. It's something different. Yeah. And it's a whole new promises that hadn't even been revealed before. So I just don't even, once you start to understand what it is, and that's why I think Ephesians chapter one, two, and three is so very important. Mm. You don't understand what's going on there. Listen, just in those three chapters, and I know that's not even what we're talking about right now, (laughs) but I will say this, Mm -hmm. just in those three chapters, you, you completely destroy uh, uh, Calvinism. That's chapter one. You can completely destroy the eternal. You can lose your salvation. You can completely destroy uh, 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 that the, the the Jew replaced the church. Um, you completely throw in what the purpose of the church really is, how one gets into it, what the role of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These these nine spiritual blessings that we get from the Father, the Son, and the Holy. None. Nobody else ever got any of these things. Mm. Not even Israel got them. Mm-hmm. And what kind of blessings are they? Spiritual. <laughs> exactly. So there's something very, very interesting, uh, very uh, dynamic, very, uh, hence the reason why Paul calls it. I mean, listen, this is what he calls it. He calls it the dispensation of grace. But Bible doesn't teach dispensations. Well, then why does he call it the dispensation of grace? He mentions two dispensations in those first three chapters. Dispensation of so fullness you, of time. So you better make sure you understand that. Obviously, God is doing something different. He's never done this before. That's what a dispensation is. It's a changing of the guard. God's got something new going on. That's what he's doing. Okay, so here we are. Uh, we're living in what uh, the, Paul calls the dispensation of grace. And what is the dispensation of grace? It's, it's the body of Christ. That's what it is. Okay, but there's going to come a time, okay, when God is going to revert back to his covenants. Mm -hmm. But who are his covenants made with? Israel. Israel. Can't be done with them. 
Can't be. If he's done with them, then Paul lied. God lied through Paul. Mm. I'm sorry. I, I, I cannot go there. I just want to add something to that just to kind of give it more oomph. When you read the prophet Malachi, which is the last prophet before we enter into the New Testament, he's, again, talking to Israel about when this is going to kind of re-kick off for the nation of Israel again, right? And he says in uh, Malachi 4, verse 4, to the nation of Israel, to the Jews, Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments, which we're talking about the Mosaic. Mm -hmm. And then he says, um, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So when that's when that whole thing kicks back off again, and God turns his well, focus back are, to the nation of Israel. And, and notice he says, witnesses. yeah, the two witnesses. He says Moses and the law and the prophets and Elijah. So again, it's not done. <laughs> when you enter into that tribulation period, you're reverting back to mm -hmm. what it was supposed to be in, Dan, in, in Dan, the, the 70th week of Daniel. You're under the law again, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, and, you know, yes, there are some differences that are going on in the tribulation, uh, no doubt about it, but that's why you need to endure to the end. You know, we don't need to endure to the end. That's the whole eternal security thing. That's yeah. the whole Matthew 24, understanding what's going on there. Mm -hmm. um, you yeah. know, understanding why the book of Hebrews was written, understanding why the book of James was written. James has a very uh, tribulation. Very much. Uh, and Hebrews has a very mm -hmm. tribulation. Matthew has a very, Matthew, especially 24, is, mm -hmm. that's all about the tribulation. Um, it's just sad that people, you know, they, they, they just fail to understand how to rightly divide the book. Okay, with that being said, what what is the Davidic covenant? And let's 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 solidify why we're saying this has not happened yet. Okay. Okay. Did the law happen? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So but but did the David you know you would think the very next thing would be the Davidic covenant. Here we are, that's the next yeah. one. But it didn't. And David. So obviously so. something's going on. Okay. I mean, come on, it doesn't take a genius to go. Well, okay, the Davidic covenant's not going on right now, then what's going on? Okay. Dispensation of grace. That's what's going on. Until the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled, then we are going to revert back to Israel. He's not done with Israel. He has two more covenants he needs to f finish with them. But right now, because of their rejection, he's blinded them. Yeah. Okay? In part, as, as Romans is talking about. Uh -huh. Okay. So... What is this Davidic covenant? Let's talk about it. God knows that that uh, Israel is is about to uh, uh, get split into two kingdoms. He knows what's coming, and but so he he's making a, a a a promise to his servant David because despite some of David's downfalls, uh, David was a man after God's own heart, mm -hmm. and and so uh, he's a special individual in God's uh, eyes. There's no doubt about it. And so he makes a covenant with David, and it's a very important covenant that he makes with him. Uh, and we're going to find that covenant in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Uh, and uh, I believe uh, Chris is going to read for us. Uh, you're going to be in 2 Samuel. We're going we're gonna to just go ahead and read all the verses, 4 through 17, and then we're going to start asking some questions. Mm. All right. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 4 through 17 says, And it came to... It came to pass that night, that night, that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, "Go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord: Shalt thou build me an house for me to dwell in, whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in the tent and in the tabernacle." 
In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people, Israel, saying, Why build ye not me a house of cedar? Now therefore shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with the wither, with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all the enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more, neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more, as before time. And as since, the, that, as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord t- telleth thee that he will make thee an house. And when the day, thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish thy... Th- and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be oh, um, established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. All right, so this is the Davidic covenant. So get the picture. David, uh, he, he, he wants to build God a house. So up to this point, uh, the only thing that, that the nation of Israel has done is built the tabernacle. Now, God, now David is in Jerusalem. He wants to build God uh, a house. And ultimately, uh, we know that that's going to be uh, the first temple. Does David build it? No. Solomon ends up building it, and you see that in, uh, I believe, First Kings six is when the st- the starting of the of the temple is built. Um, but okay, so what does what 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 is God saying here? He, he makes a very important covenant with David, and he says, "You're going to build a house for my name." And, and in verse thirteen, and, and he says, "And I will establish the throne of his kingdom mm-hmm. for how long? Forever. Forever. Okay. So, is he talking about Solomon?" Has, was Solomon's kingdom established forever? Absolutely not. No. So who? So so. What are we talking about here? And he goes, and I will be his father, and he shall be my son. Uh, obviously, that becomes very uh, evident uh, to who that potentially could be. And well, uh, trips trips a lot of people up is it says if he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with a rod of men. Uh, did 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 Jesus commit iniquity? No. But was he? But was he chastened? Yeah, Isaiah yes. fifty-three. I mean, Isaiah fifty-three. That's what I said. I thought I said Hosea. Sorry. No. Right. But, but but he took upon him the sin of the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. So don't get tripped up on that. Right. And then it says, "And thy house and thy kingdom shall be established forever." Mm-hmm. Did that happen with Solomon? No. Okay. So we look at this and we go, "Okay. Well, who's he talking about? What, what's going on here?" Uh, obviously, he's going to set up a kingdom, and he's going to he's going to establish his throne forever. Who's he talking about? Uh, well, is he talking about Solomon? Is he talking about this guy? Is, uh, I've heard so many people. L- l- listen, don't try to figure it out on your own. Just let God tell you who it is. Okay, God, God's got this. Compare scripture with scripture. 
and find out what this promise is and, and, and who is going to be the person that he's talking about that he's going to establish his kingdom forever. How do you do that? Well, let's go to Luke 1. Compare scripture with scripture. That's also, as they're turning to Luke 1, in these verses, notice not only is he talking about this kingdom and this throne, and by the way, a kingdom has a throne, and that's what the focus of this covenant is, but he also says, I will. So this is also an unconditional covenant. Correct. So you're over there in Luke chapter 1, um, and you got uh, Gabriel coming to the Virgin Mary, announcing the birth of uh, a certain person that's kind of important. I think his name is Jesus. Okay. And notice what it says there, in starting in Luke chapter 1, verse 31. Robert, do you want to read the next couple, two, three verses? Yeah. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So no doubt about it. No doubt about it. This is who is going to sit on this throne that was promised to David back over in First Samuel. Very, very clearly laid out for us. So there's three promises that are made to David. Number one, that his house... Uh, would never cease. Number two, that his throne would never be completely destroyed and that it would continue forever. Number three, that this earthly kingdom would also continue through his promised seed. Very, very, very important uh, covenant. Um, obviously, um, you know, you follow through through the scriptures and you see that, uh, that God uh, uh, very much so um, uh, uh, goes through the line of Judah, uh, leading down through David. And, and that's the importance of understanding Matthew chapter 1, because Matthew chapter 1 is laying out the, the, uh, the line through David. Understand what's going on in Matthew. Understand what's going on in Luke. In Matthew chapter 1, uh, it follows the line of Solomon. David had two, two major sons that are important to this. Solomon is the, the kingly line. Um, and if you follow Solomon, you end up at uh, Joseph. Yeah, Joseph being the husband of Mary. Now, was Joseph the legal father of, Mary, of 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 Jesus? No, he wasn't the physical father of Jesus. Okay, but that's where Jesus is going to get the right to sit on that throne. So, what's going on here? Okay, well, in Luke chapter one, if you follow through, uh, something interesting happens. Uh, when you get to, to, to David, you, you, you no longer follow Solomon. Now you follow Nathan. Uh-huh. Okay. And Nathan gives birth. Uh, uh, you follow Nathan's line. That leads you to Heli, which was Mary's. So, so is, are we still of the... Mary's father. Are we still right. of the, the, the line of David? Yes. Yes. We're just not on the kingly line. Well, how, how can Jesus sit on the throne of a kingly line if he's not of the... Of Solomon's line, well, that's what the there's a there's a specific law that uh, God made with the daughters of Zehelophad back in the uh, the Old Testament that lays out very very uh, uh, strict rules to what happens if uh, 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 a father has only daughters, and if that's so, whatever the, whoever the daughter marries gets all of the promises and, and, and or not promises, but all of the uh, um, inheritance of of the uh, of, of of the father. Okay. So this is what's going on here. 
Um, if you were to look at, uh, God, was it Jeremiah 22, I think, if I remember correctly, um, the line of Judah's line, Conaniah, it gets blood cursed. God says to Conaniah, the last king of Israel, uh, before they fall into Babylonian captivity, he said, upon your line, there will be no more that will sit upon the throne of throne, throne, the, the, the throne of David. He, he announces a blood curse on anybody that's born after Conaniah. Huh. None of them can sit on the throne. So, okay, follow Conaniah all the way down to Joseph. If Joseph was the physical father of Jesus, mm. Jesus couldn't sit on the throne. Right. Still the blood curse. Still the, yeah. Man, that virgin birth. And <laughs> also the blood, yeah. <laughs> that's a big deal right there. Now, now you understand what's going on here. Okay. But Mary... Also born uh, through the line of David, okay. Although it follows uh, 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 Nathan, all the promises are given to Jesus through the line of Mary, and this is why Jesus can sit on the throne. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's neither here nor there, I suppose. But that's we good. do. But we do know, without a doubt, Jesus is the fulfillment of this Davidic covenant. Yeah. So now we have to ask the question. Did the king of Israel, the rightful king of Israel, did he sit on that throne during his earthly ministry? No. What did they do to him? They crucified him. As a matter of fact, they put on the top of his epitaph yeah. Yeah. the king of Israel. To the point the Pharisees said, uh-uh, don't put the, take that down. And, 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 and uh, Pilate said, what I have written, I have written. So he is the rightful king. And so here's the question. Has the Davidic covenant been fulfilled? Mm-mm. No, it has not. So either God done messed this thing up, doesn't know what's going on, changed course, whatever you want to say. Broke his promise. Broke his lied. promise, mm-hmm. whatever you want to say. Or he's it's not coming a day <laughs> when he is going to fulfill this covenant. Right now, there's blindness in part that's happened to Israel, and he's working in a new dispensation right now, the dispensation of grace, where he's working with Jew and Gentile together. And there's a whole different king, kingdom in in, in place right now. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the whole different kingdom that's in place right now? The kingdom of God. Yep. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. Yep. Paul clearly lays that out. Jesus clearly laid that out. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, 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 the Davidic kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. You Listen, you can't take something spiritual by force and the violent take it by force. And the kingdom of heaven was taken violently by force. How? You took the king and you nailed him to a cross. You understand? You 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 beheaded the the the, the one that was supposed to prepare the, the way of the coming of the king. Uh, that's taking it violently by force. You can't take the kingdom of God violently by force from somebody because it's spiritual. Uh, you know, so um, this is important to understand when we're rightly dividing the word of truth. What is going on here? Well, what's going on is because they crucified their king, okay, God has, if you will, um, like you said, Chris, before, he hit the time clock. Mm-hmm. The chess match is the, the ball if you can say it, is in the Gentiles' court right now. And and that's where we are. And the 69th week of Daniel's 70 weeks has been halted. 
We're waiting for it. Well, there's a couple things, right? What is the purpose of the 70th week? See, that's the thing. Most people don't even know what the purpose of the tribulation is. Mm. Well, well, the purpose of the tribulation is to prepare the Jew for their king. Mm -hmm. That's what it's for. That is the, it's the time of Jacob's, Jacob's trouble. trouble. That is what it's for. It is to prepare, just as they should have been prepared at his first coming, and they rejected him, God said there's going to come a time, right? And, 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 and look at Ezekiel 37. Let me read some uh, verses here in Ezekiel 37. Okay. It says this, and I'm in 37 verse 21. And I remember now, Ezekiel is a prophet, okay? They are in, Israel is in the Babylonian captivity now, okay? So the, the captivity has happened. The, the, the kings of Israel are gone now, okay? And since this time, once Israel went into the Babylonian captivity at 587 BC, there hasn't been a king in Israel since. Mm -hmm. Right. And, 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 and you go, well, that's interesting. Why not? Because there can't be. Because the next king mm -hmm. is going to be Jesus, and that's it. There's no nobody else can fulfill that role, and, and it can't be because of that blood curse that was pronounced, right? Another reason why. Okay, but isn't it interesting that throughout throughout history, going back to six oh uh, or five eighty seven BC, there hasn't been a king in Israel? Mm. And that interesting, you know, just coincidence, just worked out that way. No, it didn't just work out that way because there's nobody that can sit on that throne. Jesus is the only one has Amen. to has the right to do it. There was a blood curse on the line of Judah, okay, uh, and and and, and uh, I'm sorry, David, and 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 listen, the only one that can sit on that throne is the fulfillment of this Davidic covenant, and it's Jesus. Mm -hmm. He is the one that's going to sit on it. Has he yet? No. Obviously, something's going on right now. What? Why isn't he sitting on the throne? What's going on? Israel's blinded right now. They, they, they've been, they've been uh, um, um, put on the shelf. It's why the, the disciples, uh, excuse me, the apostles over in Acts chapter 1, uh, right before Jesus ascended, you know, it's why they said they knew. They know what's going on. They, they weren't no fools to what was supposed to happen. They said, are you going to restore now the kingdom to Israel? Yeah. And if that wasn't the deal, Jesus would have said, oh, you guys got this messed up, man. It was still we're, on the table at that we're point. Gonna, we're going to put in, we're going to put in a new system. No, what he says is it's not for you to know the times or the seasons of the father. He doesn't put a niche to it. He doesn't put an end to it. He says, it's not for you to know when that's, when that's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. You just don't know when it's going to happen. It's not for you to know. So, so here we go. Uh, when you're in Ezekiel 37, look what the Ezekiel prophet says here. Uh, the Ezekiel the prophet says, he says, uh, verse 21, And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone, and I will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. When did he do that? 1948. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And I will make them one nation in the land upon thy mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king to them all, and they shall be no more two nations. Neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms anymore. Neither shall they defile themselves any more with their idols or their detestable things nor with any of their transgressions. But I will save them out of all their dwelling places wherein they have sinned, and I will cleanse them so they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And David, my servant, shall be their king. 
over them. And they shall all have... David's long dead and gone mm. by the time Ezekiel is, is, is prophesying. Sure. He's, he's been dead 500 years. And look what he says. And they shall have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. This hasn't happened yet. Mm. It's going to happen. Or if it isn't, God has lied. Is this covenant in effect right now? The answer is no, it is not. The law, without question, has ended. Paul makes that clear. We are not under the law. But the Davidic covenant has not taken place yet. So something's going on right now. Where are we? We're kind of, you know, if, if you really start to try to divide things, you would go, we're in limbo right now. What's going on? Well, no, we're not in limbo. We're in a parenthetical. Mm. We are living in the dispensation of grace. God has instituted something new that he had not revealed before. That's where we are. But there's going to come a time when God is going to turn his attention back to the Jew to fulfill the covenants he made with them. He has to fulfill this Davidic covenant. Because if he doesn't, he's a liar. I'm not going there. How about you guys? Mm-mm. Sure. No. No. Well, he's, I mean, look what he says in verse 26 in that same chapter of Ezekiel. He says, moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forevermore. So he's, he's, he's talking about this thing he's going to do. It's in the context of what you just re- were just reading. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, uh, the, the, the point that, uh, that I think is, 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 is without uh, question that we need to make here is covenants were made with Israel. Yeah. That's, okay. that's the anchor. And this is obvious. This is Davidic throne. That's Israel. King David was the king over Israel, and right. he's going to be the king over Israel again. Okay, the, the, there's something about when, when is this going to happen? When does this take place? How does this happen? Well, that's what the tribulation's all about. It's getting Israel ready for the coming of their king again. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, um, where is it? I think it's uh, when he's so, so, so get this, man. It's so cool. Um, um, it's. Uh, let me find it real quick. So what's going to happen is when Israel is in uh, the tribulation period, okay, the first half of the tribulation, when the Antichrist presents himself, most of the nation of Israel are going to think that he is the long-awaited Messiah. Yes, Okay. Correct. And they're going to fall for his lies and, and everything. Well, in the middle of the tribulation period, he's going to commit a, uh, an act uh, in the temple that will be rebuilt by then, by the way. Um, and it, it, it's called the abomination of desolation. Is he's going to reveal himself for who he really is. God, Jesus, in Matthew 24, tells him, when you see this, mm-hmm. run. Better get up out get of town. Get out of Dodge. Okay. You better, you, you, better, you better move out of town and you better get, you better get moving. And uh, so a remnant of Israel is going to flee into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, what, that's what Genesis 12 is all about. 
Okay, just compare scripture to scripture, and you don't have to make this stuff up. Revelation twelve. Revelation twelve. Okay, right? it's the woman is going to flee yes. into the wilderness, Correct. and God's going to protect that woman just like He did back in Exodus mm-hmm. when they came up out of the world. Absolutely. See what's going on here? Absolutely. Okay, He's going to do the same thing again because that which has been shall be. God is uh, very, very clear about stuff like that, right? And then uh, what's going to happen is, is while Israel is sitting in that wilderness, God is going to plead with mm-hmm. them face to face. That's exactly what scripture says. How's he pleading with them? What's he doing? Well, now enter Matthew, now enter Hebrews, mm. now enter James. Those books are going to become very relevant to them, and they're going to start to go, is Jesus guy really the Messiah? Was he really? Was he really the one we were waiting for? And and in uh, what is it? Uh, Hosea five fifteen, yeah. six one two and three mm-hmm. uh, says after two days, then he shall raise us up in his sight. Mm-hmm. They that's when all that's going to happen. Two days, by the way, a day is a thousand years. How long has the church age been? Mm-hmm. Uh, hello, right? I'm sure this is all coincidence. No, it's not. It's not coincidence. This is how this is all going to go down. And then there's one verse, man, that just absolutely blows my mind every time I see it. And as you're looking for that, I'll just reiterate what you were just saying there in Hosea 5, 15. God says, I will go and return to my place till they, Israel, acknowledge their offense and seek my face in their affliction. They shall seek me early. And that's what's going on in that second half of the tribulation as the remnant of Israel, God's pleading with them. And then it, right then in the next verse in chapter 6, Hosea says, Come, and, and this is the nation of Israel's response, Come, let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He has smitten and he will bind us. After two days he will revive us. Mm-hmm. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Amen. And so, Chris, talk about the return. What does that mean? His second coming. Well, but if I'm going to return to my place, oh, it means he was—he was—he left it. He must have left it, right? So, where, and where did he go when he left it? God became a man through Jesus when he left his he- heavenly habitation and uh, came here to Earth, and then he returned there after his death, burial, and resurrection, ascended into heaven, and he's going to come back again. And that's what he's talking about there. I will go back to my place until what they acknowledge my offense. And that's what, and it's the, what the nation of Israel finally comes to the conclusion at the end of that second three and a half years. Oh my gosh, he is the Messiah. And it's that, that, re, that, that, uh, is the catalyst for, for Christ's return. Right. Well, it is the, why, why he returns and where he comes yeah. is Basra. Yeah. Petra, mm-hmm. Petra. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, Bible calls it Basra. Basra and he's Isaiah today. It's, 64, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's 63. 63. Uh, okay. Today it's, it's called Petra and that's in the nation of Jordan. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's interesting is, um, when the Antichrist comes to power in Daniel, there are three, the Antichrist takes over everything. He, 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 he takes over the, the whole known world, but there's three places he doesn't take over. And one of them is Jordan, modern day Jordan. Mm-hmm. And by the way, modern day Jordan is where Petra is, Basra. Mm-hmm. This is where the Jews in the second half of the tribulation are going to flee to. Okay. And uh, you reference that Isaiah 63 passage, go there. Yeah, sure. But hold on, not yet. But I want you to understand, Jesus doesn't return to the Mount of Olives. No, that's where he steps that, foot. That's where he gets yeah. off the horse yeah. and puts his foot down for them. He returns to Basra. That's right. Why? Because that's where his, mm-hmm. his remnant Jews are. That's where he's going. Okay. Now watch this. Look at uh, verse uh, Micah, okay. chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Watch this. So cool, man. Love the book. You got to just bow to it. 
says, I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together as the sheep of Basra. Basra. Where are you? Micah 2, 12 and 13. As the flock in the midst of their fold, they shall make great noise by the reason of the multitude of men. The breakers come up before them. That's the Antichrist. When he's getting ready, he's going to surround Basra during the end of the, right mm-hmm. near the end of the tribulation. He's going to get ready to finally do what he's always wanted to do, and that's completely wipe out the Jew. They have broken up and passed through the gate and are gone out by it, and their king shall pass before them, mm. and the Lord on the head of them. Mm. Amen. That's when they're going to know. Jesus is the Messiah. Wow. Jesus is our king. And what's he going to do? He's going to go to Basra. He's going to save them. And Isaiah 63 says, Isaiah 63 and verse 1, Who is this that come from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? Edom, Edom, Edom is in Edom. southern Jordan, mm-hmm. where Basra is. This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thy apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth the wine fat? I have trodden the winepress alone, mm. and of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my garments. That's for Revelation the day of 14. vengeance is in mine heart, and the year of the redeemed is come. That's, Re- that's Revelation 14 when he tramps the, the wine press of yep. the Almighty God and yep. it's for 1,300 furlongs. The blood's yep. going to come up. to. Nobody talks about this, Jesus. <laughs> this is when Jesus comes in all of his mm, glory. Yeah. This is when Jesus is going to come back to this earth and Vengeance. make things right. Yeah. This is when he is going to take the Davidic throne and sit on it as he should. Amen. And what he's going to do when he comes back and the Davidic covenant is then fulfilled, if you will, mm-hmm. he's going to set up the millennial kingdom. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you a question. Okay. Just stop and think about this. The Davidic covenant is for who? The Jews. Who's it not for? The church. Church. I mean, it becomes obvious. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to be a genius to figure this out. It's obvious. Okay. So, so where's the church when all this is happening? <laughs> Why would the church be here? Right. It has nothing to do with us. Why would God put us through his vengeance and wrath when it has nothing to do with us? And he made some very specific promises to us that we would be preserved from the wrath to come. Amen. Why, why would we be here? Yeah. We, you couldn't find one piece of evidence anywhere in all the Bible that would give any reason why we would be here. And that's the problem is, is those lines of reasoning. They're not thought out, they're not thought out to their end. If you think these things through, and I'm not talking just a part of its logic, but biblically, like you just asked, Frank, where's the church? Why why would that apply to the church when it's all Israel? It's all, I mean, just let the words speak for themselves. And so when you think about this to its end, it becomes very evident. There's no two ways about it. You know, I think here's a here's the deal. Okay, and and and. and Maybe this is how we can kind of close um, with this. When it comes to the Bible, the biggest danger that most people have, and we all have it, we all suffer from this. The question is, are you going to take note that you have that problem Mm. or not? And what that is is presuppositions. 
If I want to teach that the church has replaced Israel, I'm going to go find the verses that are going to support my presupposition. And if you just take those verses, you could you can come up with a case. The problem is you're taking those verses out of context and you're not taking all the verses that don't support what you're saying right now. Mm. You can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to do, you know. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Bible says what it says, and you got to go with what it says, and you can't bring your presupposition into it. Yeah. You know, uh, listen, it was Augustine that taught Calvinism. We can, we, you know, we, 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 we all say, oh, it's Calvinism. It's, it's not Calvinism. It's, it's just Augustinianism. Yeah. Calvin, he gave all credit to Augustine for his thinking. What, what, what was it that Augustine taught? He taught that the Roman church replaced Israel. That's what he taught. Mm-hmm. Okay. So all you Calvinists out there, I'm not trying to be a, a jerk. I'm not trying to shred on your, I'm just trying to tell you, you're, you're following Roman Catholic doctrine. Now, whether you believe that or not is beside the point. Facts speak the truth. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's just the end. Of the, that's just what it is. You know, where do we come up with stuff, man? You know, well, well, what's the fruit that Adam ate in the garden? You know, well, uh, if you're listening right now, most of you, if you don't know any better, are going to go what? An, an apple. apple. Snow White. Okay. Where does this? <laughs> where does it say that? How many wise men came to see Jesus in the manger? It was well, I don't know. I don't. Well, I, and I would say this: I don't know what Bible you're reading, but nobody, nowhere does it say that there was three wise men, and nowhere does it say that the wise men came to the manger. Mm-hmm. Right. But yet we have manger scenes where the wise men are all sitting there. No, the wise men, and we don't know how many they were. The wise men came to his house two years later. He was in. His, he, Jesus was at his house as a little child two years later. It all goes back to the presuppositions you just referenced. That's my point. We, we got to be very close, very careful. And, and can I say, and, and if I can close with, the, you know, kind of with this, just so people can kind of hear my heart, listen, uh, that goes beyond just little things like that. Okay. I think we have presuppositions of what we think grace is. I think we have presuppositions of what we think worship is. I think we have presuppositions of what we think salvation is. I think we have presuppositions of what we think the blood is. I think we have presuppositions of we the 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 the, the amount of information becomes where did you get it from? Did you get it from somebody who's teaching you about that or did you get it from the Bible? You know, because, you know, and you've heard me talk about grace before, and I, we talked about it a couple episodes back. Listen, our presuppositions of what grace is, I'm just telling you, man, but when you read the Bible, that's not what it says. There's something more to this. There's something more about, if we're living in the dispensation of grace, it's just not that God loves everybody because that can't be true. There's something about that dispensation of grace that God is giving us blessings for, and that's what Ephesians 1 is all about. He didn't just give us those blessings just because he loved us. That's not what it is. Uh, worship. I mean, if you want to understand what worship is, I, hey, listen, I got an idea. Let's go to the very book that teaches us how to worship God. Most people wouldn't even know what book that is. Mm. 
Okay, but it's Leviticus. Mm -hmm. That is what the point of Leviticus is, is how to come into uh, uh, the presence of God to worship him properly. And the only way to do that, got to be holy. Listen, uh, we, 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 presuppositions are dangerous. And we have to understand that a lot of our presuppositions, unfortunately, sadly, and just, you know, hey, hear me out on this, man. It's just the truth. A lot of our presuppositions are Roman Catholic in its in its origins. Origins, yeah, it just is. Yeah, and we have to be very careful um, because uh, you know the why wouldn't who would be the one that wouldn't want us to really understand what grace is? Mm. Who would be the one that wouldn't really want us to understand what worship is? By the way, isn't it interesting that the one person? <laughs> what was Lucifer's job? He was the anointed cherub that covers. He was the Shine off the glory of God. What did he have? The of God. He had pipes and t- his his voice. So 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 Lucifer He's a praise has, leader in heaven. Sir, Lucifer also has something to do with music sure. in heaven. Mm-hmm. So do do you not think to steal glory and and uh, worship from God? Isn't that what Lucifer wants? Mm-hmm. Isaiah the five. I, mm-hmm. Do you not think he's going to somehow, some way, use music to his advantage? It was everything. We better be careful. Man. Sure. Yeah. We better be careful. We better make sure we're paying attention to what this book actually says. Yeah. You know, because we we can we can we can cross lines that we didn't even know we're crossing because Lucifer is the greatest deceiver. That 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 is what the name uh, uh, devil means. Mm-hmm. It's deceiver. Yeah. So okay. that's the problem with presuppositions is that they cross over uh, into doctrinal problems and that's why it's important for us to know the things like these covenants who they belong to whether who they're for whether fulfillment is dispensations uh difference between kingdom of heaven kingdom of god and so on and so forth because like you said lucifer's job is he's going to come down here he's going to muddy the waters with all that and he's going to mix it all up and he's going to get everybody out of whack because don't think for one second that he doesn't know this word better than we do and he's going to have his own way of twisting it like he did in the garden and people are going to fall for it the roman catholic doctrine all those all of that stuff satan uses to deceive man so that we get all these things that we're talking about all out of whack and put and start putting them in the wrong places, those presuppositions. And that's why these things are so inherently important for us to know and rightly divide, because it has to do with doctrinal truths. And, and you start applying them to the wrong people groups, everything's out of whack. And that then will bleed into what you know and believe about salvation. I mean, it's, it's, it has eternal ramifications. Well, as Paul says, a little leaven. Leaven's a whole lump. You, get, you start with one thing that's got an intrinsic wrong thing to it. You know, listen, understand this about Satan, okay? He doesn't come with a completely different message. That's not his game. It never has been his game, and it never will be his game. He is not the master of creating things. God is. What Lucifer is so good at, Satan, what he's so good at is taking what God did Twisting it just a little. That's what he did in the garden. He doesn't need to do it a lot. Just a little. Just a little. And what happens is, you know, here we are. We're talking about this Davidic covenant, right? What he's done is, he's how did he twist it? Well, you know, you can kind of twist scripture a little bit to kind of make it look like the church has replaced Israel. Here we go, man. We're good to go. But Jesus says right there in Revelation chapter 2 that if you say that you're a Jew when you're not, what is this? Synagogue of Satan. Mm-hmm. The synagogue of Satan. 
I mean, that's a big deal. We better make sure we understand <laughs> what this, what, what, what that is. Cause uh, obviously something uh, is, is very evil about that. Yeah. And so talking about that and the presuppositions thing we were talking about a moment ago, um, just wanted to kind of close with this. It reminds me of uh, when the Lord uh, came to Samuel and first uh, Samuel chapter three, there in verse, happened a couple of times, but the one I'll reference is in verse 10. And it says, the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, he calls Samuel, Samuel. And then the scripture says that Samuel answered, speak for thy servant heareth. And when we open this book, the Lord is speaking. And if we can, as he calls us to his word, if we can just learn to take those words and adopt them, Lord, speak. And we just shut up with our presuppositions, with our assumptions, with our denominational or or doctrinal preferences, you know, whatever. Just let the word of the Lord be the word of the Lord and let's listen and hear what he has to say. Then... uh, the, that that's why we get, come to these conclusions, not because you know they fit the one Baptist church sure. um, statement of belief, and so we have to propagate these things. Um, those one Baptist church or the revealing or whatever statement of belief is based on the Word of God and and attempting to let the Lord speak. And we as His servants are hearing by comparing Scripture with Scripture, by rightly dividing the Word of Truth, um, by keeping things in context. All you know those keys of Bible study we talked about so long ago. Um, so, man, if I could just encourage our listeners to to have that heart and that mindset um, to, in your time with the Lord, uh, just let him speak. And, um, and I don't mean just let him t- try to let him speak to you audibly. Uh, he, he will not do that. Hey, he has spoken his whole counsel already and uh, is in his words. So um, get in that book, man. Uh, compare the things that we're saying with the book. I hope we pointed you to, and I know we could do more, but I hope we, we pointed you to, to plenty of passages uh, in context, rightly divided, uh, to help you and equip you with that. Um, so uh, that is uh, this episode of The Revealing. I actually have one more thing I want to say. If you don't that mind. is not this episode of The Revealing. <laughs> I love you. Wait, wait till you say that. Go ahead. You're fine. I, I, I just want to say this. You know, and in, in, for, for anybody listening, you know, just kind of please share my heart on this. You know, I, I didn't get saved till I was 28. Um, I was a complete rejecter of this book. And as I look back and I think about why I rejected this book, um, it was because of presuppositions. Mm. I wasn't dealing with facts. I wasn't dealing with real stuff. I was, I was. A lot of people don't right? in so, that situation. So, so, you know, so for me, when I came to this book, um, you know, uh, I am I really, I mean, that's what I am. I, I'm more of a factual person. I like to have things proven to me. I just don't believe them just because somebody says them, although I did. And that's why I'm trying not to so hard now do that. So everything that I think I know, uh, I, I try to say, okay, I think that's right, but but let me see in scriptures and prove it is before I actually hold to that as being true because the devil is a good deceiver and he can deceive me too. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so, you know, that's kind of been our ministry and, and what I've been doing uh, as the pastor of one Baptist church here in Jacksonville. Listen, I know there are times where I'll say some things that, that just doesn't jive with what most people think or believe, but, 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 uh, you know, for me is, is I, I, I'm not doubting grace. I'm not doubting um, um, the blood. I'm not doubt. I'm not putting any, what, what I'm saying is though, Hey, why does it hurt? Why would it ever hurt to elevate our understanding of something? 
you know. Okay, yes. Was grace given by the love of God? No doubt about it. But, but, but the Bible speaks more of it than just that. So why can't we elevate it to what the Bible actually is teaching so that we don't have a presupposition of it? And that's where my heart is. My heart is, is teaching, hey, man, let's, let's get to the Scripture and see what it really says. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of the day, what, what, what's going to come out is you know, just a better Christian. We're going to be better. We're going to be. We're, if we can be better tomorrow than we were today, then then that's the goal. That should always be the goal. And sometimes our presuppositions keep us from being better Christians tomorrow than we were today. And that's my heart. That's why you know. Hey, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm Italian, man. I I have my way of doing things, and and I you know sometimes I wonder if that's why God chose me to do what I do. Because I do have my way of doing things. And, but, but at the end of the day, what comes out at the end of the message doesn't mean it's wrong. At the end of the day, you know, if I'm speaking God's word, then it's God's word. At the end of the day, that doesn't make it wrong. Just because the way I said it doesn't make it wrong. And, and that's, for me, the most important thing is, you know, I look at the church today, and I look what's going on in the church today, and I look and hear what these, these, these pastors and teachers and stuff that are teaching I go, man, that's wrong. It's not right. There's something, there's something wrong about that. It isn't, you know, either one, it isn't fully developing it, or two, it's twisting it, which, you know, I, we've always said, right, Chris, and we say it all the time, I think, Robert, right? Can something be 90% true? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. No. Either it's 100, Jesus is truth. Mm-hmm. Either all of him is true or none of them. He is absolute truth. And so if we want to understand what the church is, if we want to understand what the purpose of the church is, if we want to understand what the work of the Lord is, if we want to understand what grace is, what worship is, there's only one way we're going to get the answer. It's not about what Frank says. It's not about what Robert says. It's not about what One Baptist Church says. It's not about what the famous pastor on the radio says or the famous author said in his book. It's not... That's not where we're going to get our answers, and we better be careful because man can put into the into the the, the description of whatever it is they're trying to teach their own presuppositions. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's about what this book says, and we better be very careful that we stick to it. And for me, that's where I'm at, man. I know that if I go on my own, I'm going to screw this thing up. Mm-hmm. I already know that, and I already know Satan is trying to get me to screw it up. Mm-hmm. So the only way... I can get this right is if I just let the book be the book. That's a tough thing for a lot of people to get to, to get to that place. I'm thankful that the Lord has humbled me enough. Trust me. He's had to humble me quite a few times. He still does. Mm-hmm. But I'm thankful that I'm not going to just listen to what somebody else has to say. I'm going to go back to the book. I'm going to find out what it says. I'm going to see where it either lines up or it doesn't. And, and, and that's, where we're going to go with it. Can I read a scripture? All this is making me think of when you're talking about the presuppositions and all that. I think about what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.13 to that, those at the church of Thessalonica. He says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right, now I'm done. And that, (laughs) all right, well, praise the Lord. Uh, We thank you for hanging out with us again, and we look forward to doing the same next week. Until then.
Thank you for listening to The Revealing, a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel. For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, onebaptistjacks.world, or email us, info at onebaptistjacks.world.